0: talking about loving God and one of the ways we love God is by loving his word we get to know God by getting into his word have you thought about the power of words before the things you say what kind of weight that carries I'm not going to get into the heavy negative stuff Um, What I actually want to talk about is the good stuff that we say. Have any of you ever written a love letter before? Or even in today's day and age, maybe a, a lengthy love text. That still counts. And I don't mean that you just went to CVS and you picked up a cheesy card and wrote XOXO. That's it. I mean, did you... Take the time to sit down and make it a personal thought for somebody that you love. Did you struggle with finding the right words? How do I convey the emotion and the feeling that I have for somebody and put it into words that they will understand? Because if I just write, ah, they're not going to understand it. How do I properly communicate that? i got to say, receiving a love letter is amazing. Have, have any of you received love letters? I hope that if you're in a couple and one of you raised your hand and said, yes, I wrote a love letter, your spouse can raise their hand and say, yes, I received a love letter. If not, then you need to have a serious talk. <laughs> but how did that love letter make you feel when you read it? When you see, wow, this person, here it is, their physical handwriting, their written word that says, they love me, they cherish me. How did that make you feel? To know that they took time out of their day to sit down and intentionally think about you and put their heart to pen and paper. I have here a love letter that Cynthia wrote me. She wrote this on our wedding day. I have it in the original envelope. It says, good morning, Peach. <laughs> Open me. She called me Peach because I was just sweet like a peach. I'm gonna read it to you because it's a short letter and it's not gonna take all sermon. It says, hello love, it's been occurring to me, I'd like to hang out with you for my whole life. I can't wait to be your wife. See you in a few hours. I love you, Cynthia, 11919. I like to take this letter out occasionally and read it. And it's a good reminder for me of how Cynthia feels towards me. Not that her love is just short and sweet. But the words in there were perfect for me. I love to hang out with you. You know what? That's what friends do. They hung out. They hang out. They don't have to have... An agenda. They don't have to accomplish something. They just want to be in each other's presence. And That is a good feeling, that she wants to do that for her whole life. She can't wait to be my wife. She can't wait to be tethered in the bonds of marriage that no man can tear apart because God has brought us together. She can't wait to be... Loyal and honest with me. She can't wait to share life with me. I get that from this letter. It's called reading between the lines. But I know what's there. And the I love you. You know what that is. When somebody says, I love you. You know, it's not just a, yes, God commands us to love everybody. And so I love everybody. No, this is a much deeper Love. This is the, I want to be with you. I cherish you. There is nothing about you that I want to change because you are special to me. And I love you. Have you ever taken the time to read God's love letter to you? Right here, this is God's love letter. In here, he says what he will do for you. Okay, when we read about David going up against Goliath, God's saying, Josh, I know you feel small, but you see that giant? I have equipped you and I have prepared you and you will do that because you believe in me and I am faithful to you. Josh, you feel like you're in a lion's den. Well, go ahead. You can just sit back and relax, because I am with you. Those lions will not touch you. Josh, you feel like you're in the middle of a storm? You feel like your boat's about to capsize? I'm going to walk out to you, and I'm going to call you off the boat to me. Josh, you've messed up in your life. Guess what? I have paid that price. You are covered. You are free from bondage. There is a lot of love in here. And God wrote it for you. You know, the the emotions that we get from reading love letters, you know, the, the feeling encouraged, feeling empowered, feeling loved, feeling accepted, feeling healed. We can get that when we read this, when we read this love letter. And don't just open it on Sundays. Don't just, that is a, a pretty envelope, that's enough. That's all I need. Open it up, get into it. If it seems like a daunting task, ask the Holy Spirit, guide me, Lord. What, what specific letter do you have for me today? Is it, oh, I'm I'm struggling in my marriage, I'm struggling to see my, my wife or my husband in the way that you made them for me. Read Song of Solomon. That'll get you going. You know, picture your wife <laughs> is that, that can help strengthen your marriage. If you're Struggling with, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling with, with, with everybody coming against me, and I feel like I'm hiding in a cave. Read about David and Saul pursuing him through the wilderness. I hope that when you read this love letter, that you believe every word in it. I believe every word in here. You know, I, I know that some translations they change the words, but at its core, it is the Word of God. It is inspired by God. The Holy Spirit came down into the different authors of this book and downloaded from God what is supposed to be in here. It's crazy to me, though, that there are people that go, I can believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, but there are things in this book that I can't accept. There are things in here that I struggle with. Why would God allow disciples to be stoned? Why would... God allow people his people to be taken into captivity to be slaves for 400 years why would he allow his cities or his temples to be destroyed and then be corrupted by pagan idols why would he do that I'm sorry devil's trying to wipe me out. my game Those things are in here for God's glory. Those things are in there because he has a message for us. Man, my nose is really just fucking me today, and I don't know why. I apologize. Our our sermon today is loving God's word. Oh, thank you, Richard. And we're going to talk about the reasons to love God's word. The first reason is his faithfulness. In Matthew 5:18, Jesus says, "I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. That's the New Living Translation. I know that Richard likes to cross-reference what we say, so I want to make sure that he knows where I'm going. Or you can go to the, the King James and it says, For assuredly I say to you, Till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until it is fulfilled. Does anybody happen to know what a jot or a tittle is? No. It's close. No. (laughs) Hey, there we go. We got a scholar amongst us. Yeah the the jot is the yod it's the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet the tittle is the smallest stroke of a pen in essence jesus is saying that not even the dot of an i or a comma will go unnoticed it will be fulfilled Nothing will be forgotten by him. I know that there, there was going to be an example of a jot and tittle. Unfortunately, the image wasn't able to come up, but it was going to be the word Jehovah in Hebrew. It's, it's Y-H-W-H is how it's spelled. And looking at it, I was trying to uh, pronounce it. It's like, how do you pronounce a word with no vowels? And so I, I was looking, at it, it was like a, <gasps> <sighs> 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 it sounds like a breath. And I was curious, I was like, okay, well, that's m- my interpretation of it. What was the actual translation, or how is it actually said? And so I chased a rabbit, and I want to share that experience with you. So I looked it up, and one of the things I found was... Um, I'll just read it to you. There was a moment when Moses had the nerve to ask God what his name is. God was gracious enough to answer. The name he gave is recorded in the original Hebrew as YHWH. Over time, people have arbitrarily added an A and an E in there to get Yahweh, presumably because we have a preference for vowels. But scholars and rabbis have noted that the letters... Y-H-W-H represent breathing sounds, or aspirated consonants. When pronounced without intervening vowels, it actually sounds like breathing, with the Y-H being the inhale and the W-H being the exhale. So a baby's first cry, his first breath, speaks the name of God. A deep sigh calls his name, or a groan or a gasp that is too heavy for mere words is a call to God. God. Even an atheist would speak his name, unaware that their very breath is giving constant acknowledgement to God. Likewise, a person leaves this earth with their last breath being God's name. Now, that sounds wonderful. There was also a rebuttal saying that in ancient Hebrew, there were no vowels, but they knew how to pronounce words with vowels. It would be as if you saw a misspelled word, but you still pronounced it correctly. You know, or if you look at IDK, you know what that means, right? I don't know. Yes, that is what it means. I don't know which is true. I would like to think that the inhale and exhale is God's name every time. I go my whole day praising his name and I'm not even thinking about it. It is just always there. But I do know one thing that is true and that is his word. I am sorry that I chased that rabbit but I hope you enjoyed it because I did. But not only is the Bible true, it is a -a one-of-a-kind book. The Bible has influenced our politics. It's affected our, our education. It's one of the most read books ever, one of the most produced books. It's in our marriages, or at least I hope it is. It's shaped traditions, our society, Everything around us, even on our money, it says, in God we trust. It is everywhere. The Bible is the only book in the world that gives real proof of its divine inspiration. I'm sorry, this is a long list, so I'm going to be looking down a lot today. The Bible is the only religious writing that offers eternal salvation as a free gift entirely by God's grace and mercy. The Bible contains the greatest moral standards of any book. Only the Bible begins with the creation of the universe by design fiat and contains a continuous historical record of mankind from Adam to the end of history. Only the Bible contains detailed prophecies about the coming Savior of the world. Only the Bible has... I'm sorry. Only the Bible can convict people of their sins and has the ability to change human nature. We can turn from that sin. Only the Bible has unique theological content, all pointing to one person Jesus Christ. Only the Bible offers a realistic and permanent solution to human sin and evil. Only the Bible has its accuracy confirmed in history by archaeology, science, etc. People look and go, oh, I wonder if there was an ark. Where did it land? Well, they have found the site where the ark landed. You know, they can look at the Bible and go, well, these kingdoms were said to be in this region. And then they go and they find evidence of different kingdoms throughout time. the internal and histor- historical not hysterical the internal and historical characteristics of the bible are unique in its unity and internal consistency despite production of over 1500 year period by 40 plus authors in 66 books in three languages on three continents discussing scores of controversial subjects yet having agreement on all issues The Bible is the most translated, purchased, memorized, and persecuted book in history. For example, it has been translated into some 1,700 languages. I don't think Dr. Seuss sold books translated in 1,700 languages. Only the Bible was fully one-quarter prophetic, containing a total of some 400 complete pages of predictions. Only the Bible has withstood 2,000 years of intense scrutiny by critics and not only survived the attacks, but prospered and had its credibility strengthened by such criticism. Only the Bible has molded the history of Western civilization more than any other book. The Bible has had more influence in the world than any other book. Only the Bible has a person-specific Christ-centered nature for each of its 66 books, detailing the, purpose, the person's life in prophecy, type, antitype, etc. 400 to 1500 years before that person was ever born. That many prophecies, that far in advance, and all of them came to fruition. Not one prophecy was left out or forgotten. He fulfilled all of them. Only the Bible pr- proclaims a resolution of its central figure that can be proven in history. Only the Bible f- provides historical proof that the one true God loves mankind. He loved us so much that even after Adam and Eve sinned and corrupted God's creation, and allowed sin into their hearts, did he stick around and go, you know what, I still love you, don't worry i'm going to make a way for you i will make this relationship right i will give you a way i will give you the gift of the holy spirit and you will carry me with you in your heart always the bible is the only book in history that has not gone obsolete everything else has been disproven or modified or something has changed it. The Bible is not obsolete. It is the only book that can rewrite your history. It is the only book that can cover you in destiny. It is the only book that can make all things right. And it gives you a promise of a new beginning. It tells you that your old life is dead, and that your new life in Christ has been resurrected, that that past isn't you anymore. You are now a new person, born to life, your DNA has been rewritten, and now you get to walk with God. And you get to be showered in his promises. And you know that those promises are for you. They are not promises that were good in Jesus' time, And maybe for one or two generations later, and then miracles stopped and they're all dried up. Those miracles that were powerful then are still powerful today. And now Eric is going to come up and give you more reasons to love God's word.
1: So for point two, the power of God's word to change our life. Our vision here at Gateway is to see lives changed by Jesus. And it's the power inherent in God's word through the Holy Spirit that this is done. For example, in the Bible it says that in the beginning God created The heavens and the earth and it was without form and void Genesis 1 and the darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters notice that the Spirit of God was there waiting for the next verse it was hovering then God said let there be light And where there was, and then there was light. From this point on, the universe as we know it was ever expanding. From God's commandment. Now, I I believe that that's why God whispers. Because with four words, he created everything as we know it. Again, that's what I think that there was this loud just ripping and forming that happens when he said this. So, we always wonder, why, oh God, why, just speak to me, tell me. But he says it in a soft, loving, tender voice. Because his words carry that much power, they carry that much weight, they have that much force behind them. So he's going to whisper softly to you. To so look for His voice. The Spirit of God is here today, hovering in the midst as we worship, as we praise. And for those who hear His, believe God's Word, comes of power in their life, it brings about a power of God's Word. Point three, the war over God's Word. There are many there may be some here today that, who believe in Jesus, trust in his word, and yet for some reason rarely experience his promises. I'd like to suggest that for some, it's not many, if not many, the reason for the lack of fruitfulness in your life is spiritual warfare over God's word. Jesus gave us the parable of the farmer in Mark 4. Now I'm going to read this in the King James unapologetically because for me it's the source, it's the beginning. I do like all the other versions. But, and it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up and some fell on the stony ground where it had not much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and became, and because it had no root, it withered away. And then some fell among thorns and grew up and choked it and it yielded no fruit. Now, I encourage you to read this out throughout the week. Search this, and it's all of Mark 4. So Richard just does the whole thing. <laughs> but that was 4 through 6. There is a lot there. There's a lot of what God's saying His Word is. Now, that farmer is a preacher at the pulpit. But put in your mind that That field, that's your heart and your mind. And God's trying to plant that word in there. Now the devil wants to come and he wants to take a spade and dislodge that root from taking ground. And that is the example that he's bringing. That if you don't plant that deep and protect that, it's going to wither away. It has no strength, it has no backing to it. See my friends, it is a war of God's words. Do you not notice that Satan comes immediately? He comes immediately to take that away is he doesn't want us to have that because we are made in God's image. And he hates that image. He hates that relationship. But more importantly, if you're equipped with that word, he hates that power that you're endowed with. This is why many times we hear a preacher read or we read a passage and it ignites something inside of us. And then a short time later, all hell feels like it's breaking loose. Why? Because Satan is bringing a challenge to dislodge that out of your heart. But we can strengthen that with individual prayer, corporate prayer, to guard against that seed, to let it grow and flourish. But it doesn't, we have so many other examples in here where the devil is gonna do the same thing each time. Each time. He did it to Jesus. He did it to Adam and Eve. Did God really say you're not supposed to eat that? Did he really say you're not supposed to do that? And then he goes and he tempts Jesus. Turn that into a bread. That, or lift yourself up out of this. He's there immediately to challenge that word. To twist it just enough to get you to buy into it. So it's not, it's not the problem of you having God's word. That's not your problem. That's Satan's problem that God's word is in you. So we have to guard that. We have to keep that safe. Point four, the evidence that you love God. Now, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And this is one that you have to rebuild back up, rebuild back up. If you love me, keep my commandments. He told John if you love me feed my sheep but he told him three times if you love me feed my lambs if you love me feed my sheep that reoccurring repeating forcing that to stay protected is what he's after the way that you show that you love God as you keep his commandments. Then you will obey his word. Today I encourage you to make a commitment to hear, to learn and to grow in your relationship with Jesus by committing and reading and following his commandments. We're told in Proverbs chapter 4, 20 to 22, My children, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Do not lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Make a decision today to make God's Word the final authority in all matters in your life. Make God's word the number one priority in your daily schedule. Make commitment to obey, love, and say yes to God's word. Because it brings life, it brings healing, it brings hope. God, we send them out of here Lord with I pray their hearts changed, their minds looking to you, holding your word close to them. Make your word flourish in their life. Show yourself completely to them with your word. We bless them, Lord, as they go out. They go through their week, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Gateway Sermon podcast at our Gateway City Church Clovis campus. We'll be releasing a new episode every week, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next week.